Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. Yes, yes, yes. Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. I'm Matt Lombardo, and we once again have a monster show in store for you. In just a little bit, we'll sit down and we'll chat with former Jacksonville Jaguars wide receiver, a member of the Jaguars Ring of Honor, Jimmy Smith, and get his thoughts on some of the dynamic young wide receivers in this league, some of the top draft picks, such as, you know, you think about Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, the whole crew of dynamic wide receivers just entering the league. Get his thoughts on Trevor Lawrence, the trajectory of the Jaguars franchise, and a whole lot more. But now that the NFL offseason has kind of reached a bit of a crescendo with the NFL draft officially in the rearview mirror, the first wave of free agency in the books, and teams now entering that third wave of free agency where teams can now dip into the veteran pool without having to worry about how that signing will impact compensatory picks for next year's NFL draft. It's time to kind of calibrate and recalibrate how we think about the league based on the winners and losers of this offseason. So we're going to get into all of that and a whole lot more. But before we do, just a little bit of housekeeping as always. If you like what you hear on the podcast, I'd really love it if you would do two things for me. Number one, go into the Apple Podcast Store or SoundCloud or Spotify and search for Stacking the Box and NFL Podcast. Subscribe to the show. You get Stacking the Box on Tuesdays, the Matt Lombardo Show on Fridays. And I'd really appreciate it if you went in and you left a five-star review for the Matt Lombardo show let me know what you like what you don't like but those five-star reviews for stacking the box where you mentioned the matt lombardo show they really help grow the show and you know there are a bunch of teams in the league that i think really grew their chances at competing for a Super Bowl, maybe not this year, some of them maybe, but certainly better their chances of competing in the short and long term this offseason. And I think there were three really big winners where you factor in what they did in free agency, what they did in the NFL draft, and where their rosters stand today. And the first team out of the shoot, one of the biggest winners in my opinion, they're a team that we've talked about over and over again on this podcast since we launched it a couple of months ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And general manager Jason Lake and head coach Bruce Arians, in my opinion, have had one of the more forward-thinking off-seasons of any team in the last several years. And I think that what they've been able to do in terms of how they manage the salary cap coming off a Super Bowl with high-priced elite veteran contributors like Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, 
big name players who would go on and start elsewhere. Levante David, one of the top leaders of that defense and a top front seven defender in the NFL. They brought them all back. The Buccaneers are able to now return all 22 starters. Tom Brady gets to pick up where he left off in year two in his system with Bruce Arians as the head coach on a team that when you think back to last year, the Buccaneers really hit their stride in November and December and of course in the postseason. Now they get to pick up in week one and start there. That's the starting point. It's not no longer any sort of acclimation period. It's not Tom Brady getting his timing down with Godwin and Evans and reuniting with Gronkowski after Gronk was doing TV and out of the league for a year. These guys are picking up where they left off, and I think they're an organization of a franchise and a team that's on a mission. And you look at the NFL draft, they kind of did what they needed to do. It wasn't a spectacular draft haul for the Buccaneers. I don't really love the pick of Kyle Trask, but... When you're a team that has all 22 starters from a defending Super Bowl championship coming back, when you bring everybody back and you have a roster that's as deep and talented as the Buccaneers do, you can afford to take a flyer on a quarterback in round two or round three. Now, maybe Trask winds up being Tom Brady's heir apparent. There's certainly no pressure for him to come in. He can sit there and, you know, you understand. And the thought process is Tom Brady isn't going to practice every single day. That the Brady rules, the Jordan rules, the, the, the veterans and the highest paid superstars at the most important positions get treated differently. And if Brady's not practicing every day, somebody needs to take those snaps. Somebody needs to get those reps. And Kyle Trask is there to do it with one of the brightest quarterback minds in the league, Bruce Arians as his head coach, that maybe he develops into Brady's successor. And if he doesn't, he's not going to play very much. And you know how the teams across the league do silly things when it comes to quarterbacks. Teams that miss out on a marquee free agent quarterback next year, teams that aren't able to draft, you know, the, the guys that are at the top of the board next year, if they miss out on the top quarterbacks, Kyle Trask might be a commodity, so the Buccaneers have a trade ship, if nothing else. And then I really like the K.J. Britt pick, the linebacker out of Auburn. The Buccaneers have one of the best front sevens in the NFL. They probably have two or three of the top 25 linebackers in the league. And Trask is a guy, excuse me, K.J. Britt is a guy that hits like a boxcar. Great instincts. You got him in round five, and that's great value. So I absolutely love, 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 love what the Buccaneers have done this offseason. And then there's the Jets. And I know some people might be chuckling when you mention the New York Jets, but these aren't your father's Jets. These aren't even your older brother's New York Jets because I think the Jets might have had the best draft because not only do you get Zach Wilson, who has the chance to be an elite franchise quarterback in this league, and you hear people like Randy Mueller on this podcast a few weeks ago leading into the draft, and you talk to people inside the league, be it coaches, scouts, executives, and these people see shades of Patrick Mahomes because of Wilson's ability to make plays off schedule, his arm strength to make throws on the run, what he was able to do at BYU on a running gun offense. And now he has the opportunity to throw to guys like Corey Davis, who I think is criminally underrated, by the way, one of the bigger free agent signings at the wide receiver position, at least in my opinion, especially after the success that he had in a run-based offense in Tennessee. But Wilson now gets to throw to guys like Corey Davis, guys like Denzel Mims and in the draft you look at they were able to do the Jets came back and with pick 14 they went up and they were able to get one of the premier offensive linemen in this class Elijah Vera Tucker to keep Wilson upright and then in round two 
They come back and they get one of the top speedsters, one of the top slot receivers, a legitimate, dynamic, game-altering weapon in Elijah Moore to drop into Zach Wilson's supporting cast and his wide receiving core. So to me, there wasn't a team that had a better draft, top to bottom, than the New York Jets. And I love what the Bears did. We talked about that before. I love them and the aggressiveness going up to get Justin Fields and filling a need. But when you can get a guy like Zach Wilson, a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker, a guy like Elijah Moore, and a guy like Michael Carter at running back who has all kinds of upside, the Jets aren't going to unseat the Buffalo Bills this year in the NFC East. But they certainly aren't a laughingstock anymore. And I just love what Joe Douglas is building, and they have a hell of a coaching staff. So in 2023, heck, even in 2022, if you want to talk about a team that can win six, seven, eight, nine games in a 17-game schedule, the Jets are that team. And I think they have such a bright future and so much upside that they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. But to me, this offseason's overall biggest winner was the Cleveland Browns. And we've talked about ad nauseum a few different times what Andrew Barry was able to do. But I think the Browns significantly closed the gap on the Kansas City Chiefs after hanging with the Chiefs and, and having them on the ropes in the second half of that AFC Divisional Playoff game at Arrowhead. So I look what they did in January, and I think that what Andrew Barry did was he looked at that game and he looked at the fact that when Chad Henney came in, he was able even to stretch the field on the Browns a little bit, to air it out when Patrick Mahomes was hobbled. But the Browns went out, and this offseason through free agency and the draft, it got significantly harder to throw on the Browns when you drop in Greg Newsom in the first round at cornerback out of Northwestern. You sign, you wind up also drafting Jeremiah Owusu-Kamaroa, who some people have as the number two or number three linebacker in this class. They already had one of the best front sevens. When you talk about Tack McKinley, they go out and they add Malik Jackson and Jadeveon Clowney, who's going to be a great help. John Johnson is a plug-and-play safety linebacker hybrid, a weapon on defense, which is what the Browns needed. And, you know, what's great about all this is all of these offseason moves with a defense that gets harder to throw on and a supporting cast that gets bolstered around Baker Mayfield. And you know what's great about all this? We get to see the payoff of Andrew Berry's efforts. We get to see the dividends of the Browns' offseason when we get to see Chiefs and Browns in a monster showdown in Week 1. The NFL absolutely got opening weekend right. Now, I'm not a guy who gets all geeked up about the schedule. The, the, the extent of my excitement about the schedule is, okay, let's pick out two, three, four games that are marquee matchups in great destinations to start planning your travel schedule as a reporter. That, that's kind of where I am when it comes to how much I care or don't care about the schedule. But overall, week one, you talk about the Thursday night matchup. You got Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And then Sunday afternoon, you get Browns Chiefs. That's the game that everybody's going to be watching. That's the game that I think everybody will be talking about come Monday or Tuesday morning after week one. Can Baker Mayfield and the Browns, with an improved roster on both sides of the ball, finish the job against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? That's the biggest question. And you have to give plenty of credit to Chiefs GM Brett Feach because the Chiefs got significantly better along both lines of scrimmage. And that was their biggest need. You saw it in the Super Bowl. You saw the Chiefs offensive line just get abused up front by the Buccaneers front seven. You saw Mahomes running for his life, still having a hell of a game, still giving every last ounce of energy and effort that he had. 
But the Chiefs lost that game because of their offensive line, and they went out and they got better. They got Joe Thune. They invested top draft picks in the position. They got better there. And the Chiefs may go 16-0 after what Brett Beach has done this offseason and with that quarterback. I didn't mince words there. I think there's a real good chance that the Chiefs go undefeated with that quarterback and a better line. But the best chance of the Chiefs actually losing a game might be week one against the Browns. Mark it down right here. Remember this. Think back to this podcast in six months. That game will be the game of the week and one of the top five games of the year. And it'll be the biggest test that the Chiefs face in the regular season. That's how I feel about week one. I think the biggest winners of the offseason were the Buccaneers, the Jets, and the Browns, who might have helped themselves the most out of every team. But we have a monster show on tap. On the other side, we'll chat with Jacksonville Jaguars legend and former NFL wide receiver Jimmy Smith right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Breaking news, this important PSA is brought to you by Manscaped.com. This is your pubic service announcement and the news you've been waiting for. The Manscaped engineering team has confirmed that they have successfully created the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is now available for purchase in the United States and in Canada. This new trimmer was just released only moments ago, and we're one of the first few to get our hands on it and share the news. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. What makes this trimmer so different from all the other trimmers on the market? Well, there's a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. The Lawnmower 4.0 also gives the ability to turn on a 4000K LED spotlight when needed for a far more precision shave. The new trimmer even allows you to customize your trim through an additional guard lengths, which now range from sizes 1 to 4. Looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish that even features a hot fail-stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. Show the mower off loud and proud. The optimized lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is waterproof so you can groom in the shower and not have to worry about making a mess on the bathroom floor. And did I mention wireless charging? The lawnmower 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction which can help battery length last even longer. If you're still trimming your face with your ball trimmer, what the heck are you doing? It's time to change it up and stop being so gross. Get 20% off and free shipping with promo code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the promo code FANSIDED20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome back into the Matt Lombardo Show. And as promised, joining us, the NFL's 24th all-time leading receiver, a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars Ring of Honor. You know him as Jimmy Smith. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jimmy Smith Jags. Jimmy, how you doing, man? Um, I'm not doing good after hearing you say I'm the 24th. When I retired, I was top 10. 
I know, I know. <laughs> it's this new breed of receivers and this new breed of the passing game. You know, it's just unbelievable how much offenses have changed over even, even the last decade, let alone the last two decades. And, you know, I kind of wanted to start there because the last two draft classes have really been all about the quote unquote it receiver. These guys that, you know, jump in and they're a number one receiver on their team right away. Which rookie do you think was drafted in this year's class that you, has, that you think has the best chance to jump out and be an immediate playmaker right away for their new team? Which rookie? Well, there. You t- are you talking about just receiver or any position? Yeah, which rookie receiver? You know, you think about Devontae Smith goes to the mm. Eagles after that trade-up. Yeah. You have Jamar Chase yeah. reuniting with, with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. You know, Waddle winds up in Miami. You know, of the rookie receivers coming in, who do you think wound up with the best fit for them to break out in year one? All of those receivers are just so dang good. <laughs> you know, uh, Devontae Smith, he's more, he reminds me of Marvin Harrison, but, you know, just by his, the look of him, you know. Uh, but he's not, he's a strider. And uh, he's going to have to put on some weight, about 10 pounds, because he won't last long. But he, he's a, a great talent. That Waddle is super special. And the fact that yeah. he reunites with Tua, that's a great spot for him down yes. there in Miami. No yes. doubt about that. And, I, and you mentioned something, you know, the fact that the situations they're going. See, Waddle reuniting with Tua, who is Jamar Chase reuniting with Joe Burrows, they already have a connection. So, you know, these teams are already ahead of the game because they, they, they already have, have the timing and, and the uh, relationship uh, from years past in college with each other. And they all had success. You think about what Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow did winning a national championship. You know, you look at what Jalen yeah. Hurts did in his time in Alabama. Obviously, Jalen Waddle and Tua had a lot of, you know, big games and big wins together. And, you know, just think big picture. I wrote just before the NFL draft a pretty lengthy feature on fansided.com about how passing the NFL is up something like 155% since 1990 and how receivers Ooh. are now entering the league more prepared than ever to be stars right out of the shoot. And, you know, I would love to get your opinion on this as a guy who played at a high level hall of fame caliber career. What's the biggest difference between the receivers who played in your era and these guys that are coming out right now? Oh, there's a big difference. Yeah. Th- these receivers are, they're good, but we, in, in my era, T.O., Randy Moss, that came in in 92 with the Dallas Cowboys second round pick. Michael Irvin, you know, I learned Carter, Jerry Rice, all of those guys. Yes. Yes. But I learned, even though Jerry Rice was like a player that that come from the swack. Yeah. Jerry Rice is, uh, you know, you know, coming from Mississippi Valley state, I went to Jackson state, you know, so there was a a connection there. We, We just didn't have a connection in the NFL for whatever reason, but Michael Irvin, is who I learned from, you know, the mentality that Michael, the, the competitiveness that Michael Irvin displayed, you know, the leadership in the locker room, the passion, the love for the game. It was great to experience that in 92 and 93, doing those two Super Bowl runs that I was a part of. And then I go to, I go to Philly, things don't work out. Yeah. Wasn't a good match. And then I, I get, I'm fortunate enough to sign with expansion Jaguars and 95 was a, a struggle. But 96, I had start started to develop as a player 
mastering a lot of the stuff that I learned from Michael Irvin and Andre Rising comes in, all right? And he's the starter. And it knocks me back down to the third receiver. So yeah, I was upset. It was motivated, but I looked at all the positives. You know, Andre Rising saying, I got 370, 365 moves off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? I'm like, God, I want to see all 365 moves. You could practice you know? one a day with that many. You see what I'm saying? So learning from Michael Irvin, Andre Rising, I was able to develop certain skills and strengths that, that helped me become the player that uh, I became. What do you think was the biggest lesson you took away from Michael Irvin? Because there's a guy that you talk about, you know, the five best receivers of all time, certainly the, the three or four most accomplished receivers when it comes to records and Super Bowl ranks. What did you learn from Michael Irvin? What was your biggest takeaway from following him and, and learning from him early in your career? Realizing the privilege and the blessing that I had to be able to be a part of the NFL, not taking for sure. it for granted, you know? not taking it for granted. That's a blessing. And, uh, you know, acknowledging that. Also, uh, his work ethic. He worked. You know, he wasn't the fastest receiver. He was strong. He was big. He was powerful. But he worked very, very hard. He worked harder than, than everybody. And that's, that's the main thing. I, I knew it took hard work. So I was going to work hard regardless. And eventually, it would pay off. Yeah, and you brought up the fact that you started your career with the Dallas Cowboys, and you look at their collection of receivers right now, and, you know, I think it's one of the more explosive in the league, and one of the reasons is what C.D. Lamb came in and did as a rookie and what he was able to do with Andy Dalton as quarterback, and now you have Dak yes. Prescott coming back fully healthy. What are your expectations watching C.D. Lamb uh, for him to be able to do in year two, presuming that Dak Prescott is back and fully healthy? What do you think that C.D. Lamb is capable of this year? Oh, he, he's going to be a, uh, one of the top receivers in the league. I just wish there was a little more effort on Amari Cooper's part. You know, a guy that's so talented, but, you, you know, I, uh, the lack of effort really <laughs> gets under my skin. Yeah. Uh, for, his, for what he's being paid. So that, that's, that's one thing. But CeeDee Lamb has come in and uh, – Obviously, he's a number one because you're talking about him and not talking about Amari Cooper, you know? So uh, he's, he's, he has a passion for the game. He has a good feel for uh, positioning in the slot. He's very effective as a rookie, and he's going to get better. He's going to be uh, – uh, he, he, he's going to make other guys who are being paid more than him expendable. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Yeah, no doubt. And you think about what could happen at the trade deadline with somebody like Amari Cooper. If they decide to move on, if C.D. Lamb breaks out, that's certainly something to really watch. You know, you, we were talking about Dak Prescott a little bit and, you know, his impact, his loss last year and the difference in that team from week six on compared to kind of high flying offense through the first five weeks. How much do you think getting Dak Prescott back is going to solve a lot of the issues that the Cowboys faced over the second half last season? Well, you saw when he when he got hurt, how much he's needed and worth for that franchise. You know, we're talking about America's team. And when Dak Prescott went down, it wasn't America's team no more, my friend. It was That was clear to everybody. And uh, he took a chance, you know, 
that uh, many of us wouldn't do, you know, bet on himself and risk injury for the, you know, and you saw what happened. Prime example, never do that. Right. Never do that. <laughs> never, never do it. Zeke Elliott didn't do it. No. So that took a chance. He bet on himself. That's a, a, a great, you know, it, it's good for, it needs to be talked about how he bet on himself, got hurt and was rewarded. Now he's back in a Absolutely. better situation than he's ever been. Oh, no doubt about it. And Jimmy, your career really broke out, of course, when you landed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, you look at what they were able to do in this draft. Of course, they get the prize of the entire draft class, Trevor Lawrence. You know, when you watch him at Clemson and you watch the cut-ups and the highlights ahead of the NFL draft, is he that generational talent at quarterback? Is he the guy that has that quote-unquote it factor that you just can't teach? How fortunate are the Jaguars to now have Trevor Lawrence as the face of their franchise? Very fortunate. Very fortunate. Uh, you're getting a winner. He's won on every level. You got a coach in Urban Meyer who's won on every level. You got Tim Tebow coming in there who's won on every level. And uh, it's a new beginning. For, and it's, you know, our fans in Jacksonville ha have endured, you know, some hard, hard years, and it hasn't been fair to our fans. Uh, the national media continues to, uh, you know, take jabs at our franchise. We, myself, Fred Taylor, Tony Baselli, who are who are nominated for the we're, we're nominated for the Hall of Fame every year. And the excuse is, if they would have played for a different team or different franchise other than the Jaguars, they would be in already. Mm, okay, so. Now that we know that, put us in the Hall of Fame and stop messing around. Yeah, so, then the numbers are the numbers. Like you said, you, you retired as a top 10 receiver in the league. You did everything you needed to do. You took a fledgling expansion franchise to an AFC championship game, I believe, what, your second year in Jacksonville. So, yeah, I, I can I can certainly see the frustration when you hear thrown out from members twice. of that committee. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. Twice. 90, 96 and 99. Right. Right. Yeah, I can certainly understand the frustration there, but does that benefit at all someone like Trevor Lawrence? Because, you know, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. A, does he have enough pieces around him to be successful right away? And B, is it easier? Somebody who's played in other markets, somebody who has become a face of the Jacksonville market, does it help Trevor Lawrence, the fact that he's not going to a New York or a Boston or a Philadelphia, one of these pressure cookers on the East Coast? Like, does playing in Jacksonville perhaps make it easier for him not having that pressure to succeed right away to go out and have that immediate success? I mean, Jacksonville seems to be a good fit for Trevor. I mean, he, he played at Clemson, which is not too far from Jacksonville. Right. You know, I mean, that's, I mean, we're going to have a lot of, you know, and then we got his, his buddy, uh, ATM. So we're, it's right down the street. So he's within the same market of which he played in, in college. So the Jaguars would benefit from that. Uh, the, uh, the polarizing of Trevor Lawrence with uh, all the upside and the potential. No, to answer your question, no. He doesn't have all the pieces around him. Yeah. You know, 
It's called pro a process, you know? Uh, we'll find out, everybody will find out what pieces fit, what pieces don't. Um, and one of those and, really and, young pieces is a guy like LaVishka Chenault, the wide receiver. is kind of a gadget player, kind of a hybrid guy. When you watch him play, do you like that style of receiver? And do you think that Urban Meyer is a guy that can really elevate his game to the next level to help Trevor Lawrence? It depends on what offense you, you're running. Yeah. It, 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 it just depends on, on, on a lot of things, you know. Um, you know, keep, keeping in mind that Chenault was not drafted by Urban Meyer. So we, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And I went through the same situation when Coughlin left. Uh, was fired and they brought in Jack Dario. Uh, it was a little little friction there because I wasn't Jack Dario's player, so to speak. You know, yeah. I was yeah. a Coughlin player, so there was a little uh, friction there, which caused a lot of problems for our franchise. You know, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because we couldn't make the connection. I couldn't make a connection with Jack Dario. Now I still played my ass. I still put up numbers, but I had that to deal with. Uh, with Jack Dario. It's amazing to me the lengths that staffs back then and even today, you know, you're around coaching staffs that there'll be a high draft pick from the previous regime who might slip a little bit, but instead of giving that guy the chance to, you know, be coached up and, and see if he can revive his career, mm -hmm. you're so quick to draft the replacement and play your guy, even if your guy isn't on the same level as the guy that the previous coaching staff or general manager had drafted or signed. That just fascinates me that there's a little bit of a, a a meritocracy in the NFL rather than just playing based on, you know, your, your skill set and your own abilities. Yeah, you're right. I'm not a coach. I, I, I didn't understand it when I went through it with the coaching change from Coughlin to Del Rio. And, you know, I still don't understand it because if I'm a coach and I inherit, inherited an all pro receiver, thank you. Thank you, God. Right. You know, <laughs> now, now, and then I inherited a, 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 an all pro running back in Fred Taylor. Thank you, God. I'm halfway there. I can make that work, right? Who couldn't? <laughs> when me and Fred and Mark Brunel played together, we could play. And uh, he inherited that, you know, so that was already set. But, you know, he wanted his own style of what he wanted as a head coach. And he has a right to. It's his team, not Coughlin's team no more. You know, he, he wanted to modify his offense to his liking, which was uh, a bunch of 6'4", 6'3", receivers. You know, Matt Jones, who was a quarterback out of Arkansas. Uh, Reggie Williams, first-round pick out of uh, uh, Washington. Ended up being a pretty good receiver for only a year didn't get the longevity. And then you find out, uh, this is not as uh, good as what I inherited. And I, I you know, I hate that uh, I didn't, uh, I should have said, embrace what I inherited more. It's, yeah. You know, he, he just didn't embrace us because we were already there. He embraced the players that he brought in. So uh, that's my story and my take on uh what we're talking about as far as a coach, Urban Meyer and Chenault. You know, yeah. it depends on what Urban Meyer likes as a player and, and what he wants his offense to look like. Only Urban Meyer knows what he wants his offense to look like. And it really is the Urban Meyer show, right? And, and the number one receiver on that team right now is DJ Chark, a guy who, you know, might be a top 15 or so receiver in the league, maybe even a little bit better. 
they now have the quarterback situation solved with Trevor Lawrence. They have the stability and head coach. If you're sitting in that front office, if you're Urban Meyer, are you extending DJ Chark before the season even starts just to keep that core in place? Would you really make a push to re-sign him long-term? Uh, I would wait because there's a guy on that team named DJ Johnson at the University of Texas at 6'6 that nobody's talking about. Yeah. That is, he's going to be a monster. He would be a monster. I've been communicating with him, keeping his head up, you know, supporting him. Nobody knows that, <laughs> that I'm supporting DJ Johnson. You they know? do now. <laughs> they do now. But watch out for this guy, DJ Johnson. That's a heck of an endorsement, having one of the, the best receivers in franchise history in your corner. That, that's a big leg up for him. Yeah, no, nothing on DJ Chart. He's a good receiver. I, I like, but DJ Johnson and Trevor Lawrence, man, it's going to be something to see. Yeah, no doubt. Must see television there in Jacksonville. Just spinning it back to you personally, Jimmy, you know, for all of your accolades in your career, for all of that you've valued and everything that you've meant to the Jacksonville Jaguars franchise, how personally frustrating is it for you to just miss out on the Hall of Fame the last several years? And it's happened a few times to you. You know, the numbers are certainly deserving. You can certainly make a compelling case. What's the frustration level for you not to get that call? It's not frustrating for me because I've been nominated every year. To be honest with you, I'm just happy with being nominated. Yeah. You That's the right saying? approach. Yeah. I'm not going to be sitting over here crying. Oh, they're not going to endorse me. I mean, they're not going to induct me. No, they're nominating you. <laughs> that, that that's that's telling me, hey, I am Hall of Fame. I'm, if I'm, I'm nominated every year. No, I don't get to the finals. You know, the, the Hall of Fame voters have their picks. Uh, uh, Charles Johnson. I mean, Heinz Ward, uh, 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 Reggie Wayne, Tory Holt, uh, Chad Johnson, um, Rod Smith. All right, Fitzgerald is uh, going to join that conversation in five or six years too. It's a long uh, yeah. Year. Well, yeah, it should be. All of us are Hall of Fame receivers. All of us. All of us are Hall of Fame receivers. Brandon Marshall, Hall of Fame receiver. All of us. So when I look at Chad Johnson, Chad Johnson is the best route runner in the history of the NFL. And the reason I say that is because I remember when I was playing, young Chad Johnson meeting me after the game. Hey, Jay Smooth. Jay Smooth, I want to get some of your game tape. I, I, I want to study. I want to, I want to study your game. Nobody knows that. But I take great pride in that because I was instrumental in him becoming one of the great, greatest route runners in the NFL. And him acknowledging that he studied all of my cut-ups and highlights and route running. That's the way you do it. You, you, you learn to be the best by studying the best, right? That's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked to the exactly. top of the conversation, Jimmy, about, you know, the explosion of receiver talent in this league, just the last two draft classes. And then, you know, you bring up Calvin Johnson, you bring up Larry Fitzgerald, you bring up these guys that are going to be retiring in the next couple of years, put on your, your thinking cap and hop into your time machine, five, 10, 15 years down the line with all of this talent at receiver. How much harder is it for these guys that are coming out right now? How much harder is it going to be for them to make the Hall of Fame? Because there's just so much high-quality talent at that position, and it seems to be coming more and more every single year. Yes, yes. And, and, I mean, it's no number on how many Hall of Famers there should be in NFL history. I mean, was is it like a number set? It can only be 50 Hall of Famers at one position or something? Is that a criteria? I mean, you know, why is it a bottleneck? Why Why is that? 
What yeah. I mean, I think you, the problem you, is there's only five players that go in every year, right? And, and you know, it, it just is so exclusive to get in. And I, I certainly feel the frustration. The guy in your shoes, a guy in Calvin Johnson's shoes. I guess he's going in right away. But you know, guys that are on that in that conversation that just can't get across the precipice. I certainly can relate to the struggles of not getting in. No doubt about it. Yeah, but it's, what it's nothing that we're doing today. Correct. <laughs> what, Correct. what I have to do today. I, I, I thought this was a Hall of Fame for what I did on the field, yeah. the numbers that I that I put up, and then on top of that, struggling with an addiction. Yeah. So it was extremely hard for me. Extremely. I should be in the Hall of Fame just for overcoming that. There's know? a Hall of Fame for life and a Hall of Fame for role models and overcoming struggle and addiction. Jimmy Smith is a first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubt about Thank it. You. No doubt in my mind. Thank you. What, Thank you. What What was the key to overcoming that for you? Man, a lot of hard work, a lot of yeah. rehabs. I hated it. You know, it was horrible. But then, you know, I'm like, you know, people are looking at me like, oh, God, he's he's horrible. He, he's the worst thing ever. No, I'm human. I'm human. That's what I was. You know, now with the NFL legalized, you know, let, you know, now the players can can use marijuana and, not, you know, not be penalized for using cannabis as a health benefit for anxiety. Everybody has anxiety before the game. Um, for pain, do you know the side effects that I feel right now from being shot up with cortisol shots? All oh, I can only I can only imagine. And you know, you, you think about cannabis, you think about marijuana. You know, the fact that th we still criminalize marijuana in this country is just absurd to me. Whether it's possession, whether it's use, it, we now know the benefits. We know the medical benefits. We know how helpful that it can be. I just can't understand how in society we still criminalize marijuana and, and cannabis use, but it, it's very reassuring to see that we're making progress in that regard. And, and you touched on it, the NFL potentially no longer testing for cannabis, especially for medical use. Um, times have changed and it's nice yes. to see progress being made in that regard. Well, yes. I mean, it's all about education and I continue to educate myself on a very high level. As far as route running, I consider myself a route running specialist. Okay. Give me my PhD in route running. <laughs> Give it to me so I can have a livelihood and benefit after my playing days. See what I'm saying? We don't even have lifetime health care. Do you know how many players, including myself, you know, have health issues and they have to come out of our pocket? Oh, well, oh, whatever. Pay these guys millions of dollars. You should be able to afford it. That's not the point. That's not the point. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And the NFL because, needs to really step up. Yeah, there. because not every player had an opportunity to make the millions of dollars like I did. What about yeah. the guys who, who only made a couple of hundred thousand, a few hundred thousand? What about them? They don't have that no more. And they have underlying issues that are horrible. And that's it's just not right. And it's something that needs to be addressed. So. I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think the NFL needs to step up and do a much better job taking care of the players who played decades ago or longer than that. Jimmy, what do you have going on these days? What are you up to um, today and moving forward? What do you have work? What are you working on? What do you have going on? Since um, I am um, very much into health and, and the cannabis industry, since it's okay now, <laughs> after <laughs> I've gotten suspended and dragged <laughs> through the mud through as, as far as media and it's keeping me out of the Hall of Fame, I have... I'm an advocate of the health benefits and I'm, I'm in position. The NFL is now becoming educated on the health benefits and I'm in position 
because I was penalized, fined, and all this bad stuff because we weren't educated at the time. No, I wasn't educated at the time. I just thought, hey, uh, I need to smoke some marijuana because I know after I smoke some marijuana, I don't feel any pain. I don't have the depression. I had. I was depressed because I was making $400,000 a week. Yeah. Coming from Mississippi. You know, people like, how can you be, be depressed? You can be depressed <laughs> because there's too much money, <laughs> you know? So all of these things uh, are, are things that players deal with and it's no help. Yeah, they, they have programs, but there's no customized program to help players with their issues post their, their post-football career. Everybody needs a customized program to ensure that we don't have any more junior sales or, or anything like that anymore. They're not doing enough. So I know I can ramble. I can talk about this forever, but I'm planning on launching a new CBD product probably in the next 60 days. And uh, it's the uh, sports recovery drink. And oh, just be, nice. on, be on the lookout, you know, because uh, I'm not educated on the health benefits of, of CBD. And it, I'll tell you that cannabis plant is a plant that has over 25,000 different products can come from that plant, you know, both on the, the health side and on the fiber side. We don't have to worry about cutting our trees down anymore. We can use hemp. We don't have to worry about climate change anymore with this plant. We don't have to worry about plastic bottles. You, you can make plastic out of hemp fiber, biodegradable plastic bottles. Imagine what that's going to do for climate change. It's a great point. I had never gamed it out to the next level, but certainly it's going to be a game changer. And it already is in a lot of regards. Jimmy, this has been a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Make sure that people go ahead and follow you on Twitter at Jimmy Smith Jags. Jimmy, appreciate the time. Best of luck with everything you have going on. I look forward to talking to you further up the road, my friend. Thank you for having me on, on your show. Give me a chance to ramble a little bit. I got a lot of stuff I want to get out and uh, I'm very appreciative. And uh, thank you again, my friend. Good stuff there from Jimmy Smith. Really enjoyed the conversation. And I thought that what he had to say about how the NFL has kind of left former players high and dry when it comes to benefits post-playing career. You know, look at what's happened to so many players after they've left the NFL and I really believe the NFL needs to step up and do more. And in the last CBA, I know there was some negotiations in terms of improved benefits and health care, but I think it's just one step in what needs to be a marathon to taking care of the players, especially the players who played 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago and really paved the way for the National Football League being the revenue monster that it is today. And, and as far as the Jaguars go... They're going to be really interesting to watch. I think Trevor Lawrence has all the trappings of a generational prospect, a generational talent, and a franchise quarterback. But but I just don't know that Urban Meyer, I don't know that I buy in to the moves they've made this offseason. I think some of their moves in free agency have been nice. But this Tim Tebow situation, I, I know Jimmy Smith loves it. I know he's on board, and he should be. He's an ambassador for the franchise. He's in the ring of honor. I get where he's coming from, and I certainly can respect and understand Tim Tebow's competitiveness. But when you look at the fact that you have a 90-man roster this time of year, only a 53-man roster come the fall, I don't know that Urban Meyer is really grasping just how valuable those roster spots are, especially for a rebuilding team. And you look around the rest of the league and you look at a team like Philadelphia with Zach Ertz openly being shopped. I mean, look, if you're the Jaguars, why not pick up the phone, 
call Howie Roseman and offer a second round pick or a third round pick and a player for Zach Ertz because you can drop Zach Ertz into that offense with DJ Chark, LaVishka Chenault, Travis Etienne, and you have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. That's a nice supporting cast. That's a really soft landing for Trevor Lawrence. And it's a system where you can utilize Zach Ertz as a pass catcher down the seam and he can be a playmaker. So I just don't know that the Tim Tebow thing is going to work out. I think it's a misstep for Urban Meyer. And this is the National Football League. You only get so many missteps. You only get so many mulligans. You only get so many years where you're not legitimately competing for the playoffs or more that every player on your roster counts. And I don't know that Tebow gets you any closer to a Super Bowl, any closer to contention. But one team that's on the cusp of competing for a Super Bowl, on going to a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, the Green Bay Packers. But the biggest story in sports right now is still where Aaron Rodgers is going to play next season and beyond. And there's a legitimate chance that Aaron Rodgers has played his last game in a Packers uniform. Now, of course, there's always the leverage that Green Bay has that they could try to recoup some or all of the remaining bonus money on Aaron Rodgers' contract or any of the money that would be tied to him should he up and retire and go and host Jeopardy or go do something else with the rest of his life. But, you know, it just feels as though this situation has reached ahead. And I think that this is the type of situation where if Aaron Rodgers is completely done with the Green Bay Packers and he's completely over playing for that organization, then it's over. There's no turning back from that. That's just the type of personality that I think Aaron Rodgers is. And when you talk to people around the league, you talk to people who have ties to the Packers organization, they'll say that if this was any other quarterback, if this was Aaron Jones, if this was Jason Rogers, a guy who, you know, was a mediocre quarterback, maybe a backup quarterback or a fringe starter, he would have been long gone with Aaron Rodgers' personality had Aaron Rodgers not been the reigning MVP coming off a 4,000-plus yard season with a career high in passing touchdowns, that this wouldn't have even been an issue because Aaron Rodgers would no longer be in Green Bay. That's just the sense I get. But I also feel, when you look around, this isn't going to get done one way or the other before June 1st. That's when some of the salary caps, you know, stipulations come into play where it can be cheaper for the Packers to trade Rodgers. But, you know, you look around and it just seems, listening to everything that's being said coming out of Green Bay, that the Packers are an organization with so much division that if a player speaks out and endorses Rodgers, well, the front office might be vindictive and cut a guy. If a guy speaks out in favor of the Packers and says that, that Aaron Rodgers needs to sit down, take his medicine, show up and play, well, if Rodgers does come back, if Aaron Rodgers is the Packers quarterback next year, if you're that guy, good luck getting targets from Aaron Rodgers next season. That just seems to be the way it is. But good for Devontae Adams, who this week came out and spoke out and said basically that if Aaron Rodgers is gone, maybe when his contract extension time, he'll be gone too. So you look at everything that's happening. You look at all of the division within the Packers organization. You look at Aaron Rodgers' temperament. You look at the fact that people believe if he were just a mediocre quarterback with this personality, he would have been gone long ago. And it makes you wonder where Rodgers might land if it's not in Green Bay. And the Denver Broncos make a lot of sense. I know that in Vegas, according to BetSided and WinBets, they're the favorite to land Aaron Rodgers in a trade. They have the most favorable odds to trade for Aaron Rodgers, and they didn't take a quarterback in the draft. I don't believe that they're married to Drew Locke, 
But they made a move on Thursday, releasing Deshaun Hamilton, a former fourth-round pick out of Penn State, that makes you wonder if they're really in this sweepstakes because I would have thought that Hamilton is the type of player the Packers could get back in a trade that involves Aaron Rodgers. But if you're Denver, you can offer up a couple of first-round picks. You can offer up a couple of young players, and maybe that's enough for the Broncos. But call me really crazy here. But Dave Gettleman and the Giants should pick up the phone. Gettleman developed the reputation during the draft of being quote-unquote Trader Dave, but that's a team that now has two first-round picks in 2022. You don't know what Daniel Jones is at this point in his career. You've you've spent to the hilt going out and bringing in Kenny Galladay. You brought in a a guy like John Ross on his upside because of his speed. You drafted a wide receiver in Kadarius Toney in the first round at number 20 overall, all centered around both evaluating Daniel Jones and trying to take the next step to becoming a Super Bowl contender, if the Giants trade two first-round picks, three first-round picks even for Aaron Rodgers, they have to be one of the top two or three favorites in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl for the next three years. And that has to be the goal there, right? So if I'm the Giants, I'm involved in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. But, you know, you talk to people inside the league, and I'm told by a few different people, and I know this is reported elsewhere and it's been out there, but Aaron Rodgers would absolutely love the chance to play for Las Vegas. You'd have Darren Waller at tight end, who's a game-breaker and a matchup nightmare over the middle. Henry Ruggs, all kind of speed. You have Josh Jacobs in the backfield, a dominant, bruising, speedy, and shifty running back. And you get to go against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. And I think that a lot of what's motivating Rodgers in all of this isn't just the fact that the organization drafted Jordan Love without telling him. Isn't the fact that they've gone ahead and, you know, ignored for the most part the wide receiver position in the first round for the last several years, despite him throwing his hands up in the air and saying, hey, you need to help me here. I think what's really motivating Aaron Rodgers is he sees what Tampa Bay and Tom Brady was able to do. Brady leaves New England, goes to Tampa Bay, wins a Super Bowl year one, And I think part of Aaron Rodgers' motivation here is to show that he can go and do that too. And what better way to do that than to go somewhere like Denver or like Vegas and play Patrick Mahomes twice a year, prove you can beat him, and go to a Super Bowl. But, you know, the Packers don't really have any incentive to trade Aaron Rodgers. You know, if the Giants offer three first-round picks, I think that makes them think. You know, you look at the Broncos, if they offer multiple first-round picks and a wide receiver or a young player to add to Jordan Love's supporting cast, maybe that gets it done. But you have to wonder, if you're the Broncos, if this wasn't in the back of your mind when you decided not to take a quarterback in the NFL draft. So we're going to see how this plays out. I think this is one of these situations that could drag on for weeks into the final stretch of the offseason, into training camp even. But I think we're far from any resolution here. But, you know, we're going to track that in coming weeks. And certainly this has been a lot of fun. Thanks to Jimmy Smith for jumping on the podcast, sharing his thoughts on the Jaguars, on the young receivers in the league, and so much more. It was a great conversation. Thanks to Fanside. It's Cole Thompson for all his help, as always, getting this podcast up and running and ready to go. And thanks to you for listening and tuning in. Again, if you like what you hear, please go in to the Apple Podcast Store or Spotify. Search for Stacking the Box and leave a five-star review. After you subscribe, subscribe to Stacking the Box, and please leave a five-star review letting me know what you like and what you don't like about the Matt Lombardo Show. That's how we grow the show. That's how we get better. And you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. I'm Matt Lombardo. Have a great week, everybody. Talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. 
Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.